I would love to learn more about ministering to uh, the Indian audience. I don't want to go in depth of that, but you know what that that just captured my attention because I'm actually waiting for people who will call me or let me know, Pastor Justin. You know, we are like to work to work among uh, the, the the non-Christian, the Indian non-Christians in DFW, and Sister Michelle and their family uh, live in Frisco, and uh, while they live there, they have a lot of their uh, members, uh, you know, uh, neighbors. There are a lot of people from different backgrounds and ethnicity. A majority of them are Indians, but they are non-Christians, and she has such a heart and burden to, you know, minister to them and reach out to them. We are planning some events, uh, you know, coming by, but uh, I'm thankful for their family. What a beautiful time leading us here. Uh, I was, uh, you know, Sister Michelle leads worship at Embassy uh, Embassy City Church in Dallas, uh, where Pastor Tim Ross uh, leads, and uh, it's a wonderful church. We are happy that you are with us this morning. And every single one of you, uh, uh, you know, you, who are in this place and room, may the Lord continue to bless you guys, be with you. I can't wait this coming week, uh, Roshan and Lindsay are adding another, another. Their family is expanding. It is growing. So I'm excited for what is happening next coming week. And we are praying for you guys. And everybody who has asked for prayers, our church is praying for you, praying for you guys as well. This morning, I want to take our attention back into the sermon series that we started last Sunday. What was it? It was titled as different. It's titled as different. And, and as we journey through this idea in 2020, that I, and as an individual, my family is as a family in Christ Jesus, that our identity is not be like anybody else that I see around in my neighborhood or anybody else that I see in Hollywood or pop artists, you know, music albums are released. I don't want to identify myself with anybody else, but I want to identify myself with Christ Jesus. And my goal for 2020, or as as we begin this new decade is that I want to be different. I want to be different from everybody else. I don't want to go and mix with, you know, people and, you know, be identified as so-and-so. But my role in life is to be known as a child of God and how different I can be in my, in my daily life. And today, as we journey through that portion, you know, I want to bring your attention towards another aspect that I have uh, thought about preaching today is because I see many People in churches, many people in relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is, that they are being offended. We have a bunch of offended people in the churches. Oh, come on, somebody. You are sitting right next to an offended person. They may not tell you that. They might smile. But you are sitting right next to somebody. Oh, come on. People are smiling, which confirms. You're sitting right next to people. And statistics help us to understand it is the, the Christians who are the, the most offendable people on planet. And that is, you know, it's an ironic statement here because all that Christ did on the cross, all Jesus did on the cross has no value when Christians live their life with offenses. I'll just get real into that. But today, relationships are broken, friendships are broken, family life is broken, and then and, and church, you know, church has church splits. Why? Because we have a bunch of offended people. We are people who have been offended in life. We are people because 
Come on, I mean, people who are offended in their marriage. Let me just, before I get into that, I want to title us today's message. It's Overcoming Offense. Overcoming Offense. One day, um, you know, a husband wanted to celebrate his wife's, her, 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 his wife's birthday, her birthday. So the husband prepared a surprise birthday party for her husband, his husband. What am I saying? <laughs> So, so the husband wanted to prepare a surprise, surprise birthday. He prepared, he called a family, he called friends and all that. He set it up all. But the lady woke up the morning expecting that the husband would wish me, give me something when I wake up or at, right at 12 o'clock, the lady was wishing that the husband will come with cake, balloons, friends and families and throw a lavish surprise party at night. But what happened here is the guy was already prepared and he was prepared for the evening. So wife took that as a big offense. She woke up, she fought with her husband on her birthday. And she went to work, didn't talk about it at all. But when she came back home, she found the home and the place was filled with people. I am not accepting nor denying that this is mine and Anisha's story. Are you with me, church? How simple reasons, small little things, people can take as a big offense in life. Christian messages, I want it to be very practical in our day-to-day life. Are you with me? So small little things, the love languages, if it is not met with your partner or in any relationship that you are, then... You take offense because that person X, Y, Z did not talk to you in your love language. You might talk to them in Malayalam. But do you know your partner, your life partner, your friend, your family member in your house has a language that they talk. It's their love language. Are you with me, church? Praise the Lord. I'm a person, I don't like people touching me. That's not my love language. I hate people to touch me. I don't take the buses because there are too many people around me. That's me. But then wait till you get married. If that does not work out, wait till you have a child. Are you with me? People are constantly around you who wants to talk to you in their love language. Today, families are destroyed. Families are destroyed because they communicate with each other but they don't communicate in their love language. Are you with me? Some young married couples here. Some family who are much more experienced than we are in this journey. It doesn't matter what age group you fit in. But if you're married, your partner wants to talk to you in a love language. Oh, come on. I am sparking some love here today. But as we get into the scripture portion, the study of 1 Peter here. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 19 to 25 is where I want to camp for some time as we look into the aspect of overcoming offenses. And mind you, I mean, I'm not just preaching about, you know, relationship, married relationships. I am talking to you today about relationships of all kind that God has placed around you. Your brother, your sister. 
Sometimes, you know, I, I was talking to a brother recently and he said, I have no clue why this side of my family does not talk to the other side of the family. I have no clue. But I am 20, 25 years old right now. And for generation to generation, this has been the way it is. And my family, this side of the family has no eye contact with that side of the family. Like it means that they don't celebrate any events together. If they know this person is there for the wedding, they cancel out the wedding. They have taken out some offenses in their life which has ruined relationship and it's ironic to who you are as a child of God because everything Christ did on the cross was that He will take the offenses away and build relationships stronger. As a child of God, our identity for this year is I want to be different in my relationships. First Peter chapter 2, verse 19 to 24, 25. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a bearing for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good, listen to this, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Now, when I read, but if you suffer for doing good, I could actually hear a lot of whispers going, that's true, that's about me. That's about me. Because I've been doing good all my life, but people are throwing stones at me. I've been doing good everywhere I go, but people don't understand me at all. I have been doing good. But here's what the word helps us to understand. As Peter writes the letter to the persecuted church, to the church that is destroyed by the emperor Nero here. He writes this letter to them and he encourages them. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before, before God. It is commendable that he honors, he values it. People around you will now value you for what you are doing. And that's why in a church like ours or church in America or church around the world, today we have a lot of people who are offended. And just because they're offended, they pack their bags and ready to leave. That's the story not about our church. That's the story of every church in our country and around the world. Just because you're offended with somebody here, you are offended with God. You're offended in every aspect of your ministry. And you don't continue to do what God has asked you to do. Why? Because you are offended. Number one, when you do a service to God, do it to God, not for people. Are you with me? When you do a service to God, do it for God, not for people. Not for people. Because the more you wait for appreciations to come, not everybody is wired to talk to you in that love language. Not everybody is wired to talk to you about, hey, you know what? You cook, you know, Anisha and I, I'm just going to throw some stories about us today. I'm so sorry, Anisha, but I love you so much. You know, Anisha and I, we, we love each other, but there are some love languages we had to learn. And we had, you know, I'm thankful for, um, you know, one of my pastors back in uh, SABC where he was counseling us, marriage counselor. Wonderful, wonderful. That's when I realized so much about marriage. I'm like, oh God, this is too late. This is, I could have waited, you know, to get married, but this is too late. We got married when I was 23. She was 22. Very young. We're, you know, learning life together. But one of her love language is words of appreciation. And I am, by nature, an introvert. 
I don't like talking too much. I don't like, you know, that's not me. I mean, I appreciate, but that's not for everything. But her love language is words of appreciation. If she cooks more, I need to tell more, more is good. That is rhyming, right? She makes biryani. I need to tell her this biryani is good. Then I decided maybe I'll walk around with a name flag. Everything that you make is really good. Are you with me? But that does not help our relationship because over the period, I have to learn that if my partner needs a words of appreciation and in order for me to have meals coming, it doesn't happen magically. Are you with me? Somebody needs to be fueled in their love language. That's where they get to do the things. But I'm coming back to our church setting. Nobody and not everybody is wired thinking around all the time to communicate to you in that way. You're doing a service to God when it comes to church. When it comes to a community outside, it's a service to God. Take in that attitude and start doing it. And Bible helps us to understand here in that verse. But if you suffer for doing good, people are going to throw offenses on you. If you're going to do, suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, I want you to underline, he did not retaliate. When they threw insults on him, he did not retaliate. A lot of children of God today claim to be the children of God, but are we really? Are we really following the example of our leader, of our savior, of our God that we are here to worship? Because I see people, the moment they're insulted, the moment they suffer something, they want to do the same or more to somebody else that has caused them trouble. They retaliate. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? They retaliate. And if you are a person sitting here, I want you to change your attitude and be different for this semester. Be different for this year. Be different for this decade that I will want you to retaliate just because somebody has caused a harm to your life. Are you with me? And in my voice, everybody, no matter where you are, do not retaliate. Why don't we retaliate? Because we follow the example of Christ who suffered for us. Even though he went through the pain, you know what he said? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. That's the words of Jesus. He did not stand there, send messages and, you know, no, called his people. Hey, you know what? This person is attacking me, so I'm going to kill him. I'm going to throw more, more struggles in his life. No, I'm not going to do that. Not gonna retaliate. The idea of the devil is to divide. The idea of the devil is to divide from the very beginning to the end. Genesis starts with how he wanted to divide. He wants to divide every relationship, not just husband and wife, but every relationship. You allow, you give him an inch, he will take over. In your thoughts, in your mind, in your gestures, in your way of life, workspace, wherever you are leading as a child of God, you give him an inch, he will take over completely. You allow small offenses to take over. 
You know, in the story of New Testament, in the, in the sto- one of the stories in New Testament, Jesus talks about, you know, uh, a plank in your eye. Have you, have you read that story? And Jesus talks about, you know, when you have a speck in your own eye, how do you find, you know, you, you are looking for a plank in your brother's eye, your friend's eye, in your relationship. Have you read that portion? Everybody? Yeah. You have a, you have a speck in your own eye. But you are fine, you want to find the plank in somebody else's eye. This is a plank. This is a speck. Many specks put together becomes a, a plank. Offenses in life is built up. You take one offense and you don't do the right thing what you should be doing as a child of God. What happens is one after the other, it becomes a plank in your eye. It becomes a plank in your life. And hear my message today on the fourth Sunday of January and 2020 is that church, be very careful how you deal with offenses, how you retaliate, how you deal, how you talk about it, how you talk about it in your family. Be very careful about how you deal with offenses because Christ, who is the perfect example of our life, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. What a beautiful passage that we can meditate this morning. When offenses come and people throw stones at you, don't worry. It is our God who has won everything on the cross. At the name of Jesus, every offense will be taken out. And you don't have to sit down and worry for that at all. Do not destroy the peace of your family. Do not destroy the peace within your heart. Do not destroy the peace in your Christian life. Do not destroy the peace that God has already given in your spiritual life just because you are taking and talking about offenses by somebody else. Hallelujah. And if you talk to me, I can tell you that, you know, people talk to me a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that I get to hear from people all the time when I do house visiting, meeting with people, wherever I go, I get to hear people. And there are times they might say in a way which is very offensive. And right now I'm at a point, I'm like, I don't care. You would, you would say what you want to say. Does it hurt me? No, you could say what you want to say. But what I believe is I don't want to take that offenses and build a fence around me where I will hinder the work of God in my life as I stand to minister. And each one of you here, we have taken offenses and built a fence around you. And let's get into the next portion here. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. As we look into that, before I get into that, I want to bring your attention to us. You can't treat people, you can't worship God and treat people like crap. You cannot worship God and treat people like, what's the word? (sighs) I know that's not a word that you want to say on Sunday morning. But that's what we are doing in our life. We're here, we're lifting up our hands, holy hands and worshiping God. But we treat people unjustly. We treat people not in the way a child of God should be treating them. We're not loving them the way Christ has loved us. You know what, understand this. People who are abused, this is statistics, right? It shows that people who are abused in their life have the tendency to abuse others. People who are hurt the most 
have a tendency to hurt others knowingly or unknowingly. It just happens around you. People who are hurt in their life, it could be a relationship or your boss, your workspace, your school, your teachers, your relations, your friends, whatever it is. People who are hurt in their life have a tendency to hurt others knowingly or I'm not making it up. It's the statistics, psychology that helps us to understand. Be careful. If you're hurt in their life, I love a quote from Pastor Jensen Franklin, beautiful man of God that, that serves God uh, in, in, in Georgia, Atlanta. He says, love like you have never been hurt. That's how Christ loved his church. Love like you have never been hurt in your life. That's how Christ loved the church. Each of you under my voice today, it may sound very Christianese as I'm talking to you, but that is practical life. That is the basic foundation of who you are as a child of God. But if you can practice this, then you can easily wait for the Christ return. Some of us are waiting for Jesus to return, but we don't change anything that we do. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? We're waiting for Jesus to come. Jesus, I want you to come, but hey, brother, did you change to get into that place? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus said, it is impossible that offenses will not come. But vote to him through whom they come. Vote to him through whom they come. It's impossible. That's what I want to mention, that if you're alive and beating and under my voice right now, either you have come out of an offense, or you are going through a season of offense, or perhaps you're going to get into a season of offense. As a child of God, this is inevitable. It happens around you. You're, nobody is exempt from offenses caused by others around you. If you're in any sort of relationship, work relationship, whatever, you will then go through offenses in your life. It's how you deal with it. As we move forward in that aspect, let me help you understand. 41%, 41% of the birds in New Zealand cannot fly. The kiwis, the penguins, and they cannot fly. 41%. You know the reason? One, it is an island country and they don't have any predators there. Because they don't have any predators, what happened is over the period of time, these birds lost the efficiency of flying and they had more about, you know, swimming into that water bodies. They lost the efficiency because they had no predators, is my word. Let me help you understand. Sometimes it is these predators that keep you flying. We are waiting, Lord, keep me away from every circumstances. Keep me away from every problem. But the predator creates the ability for us to, to fly. You might be thinking, oh, Lord, that's why I'm married to this person. <laughs> I see some people smiling, so you are allowing me to preach here. The predator creates the ability to fly. Do you have a circumstance in your and around your life where you think, oh, I cannot survive? Maybe the Lord wants you to fly. Mount up with wings as the eagle and fly to God. You know, when the predators, these, these surrounding situations come to your life, it helps you to fly closer to God. Mount up with wings and fly closer to God. And this is the blessing of a New Testament church. Our hope is found on Christ Himself and we are here to fly to Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. 
during this season when you go through greatest suffering my friends my message to you is don't hold back don't shut yourself away don't sit down just in your closet but get ready to fly get ready to come closer to God and God himself let the surrounding circumstances help you to fly in your prayer life in your fasting life as you come closer to God predators create an ability for you that you may fly now I pray under my voice that some of you who are like the kiwis and penguins, right, to, you know, with no predators around, but I pray that you will mount up with wings like an eagle and fly higher, soar higher. There are some people who are ready to soar in your marriage life. People here are ready to soar in your businesses. And I declare in the name of Jesus Christ. When the runways are built, listen to this, when the runways are built, the, the inspection team builds runways in a way that it is directly against the, the gust of wind. Or when a pilot is ready to fly his aeroplane, he wants to fly and he wants to check. The first, one of the first things he checks is which is the direction of the wind. And he flies directly against the gust of wind. He flies against the wind. You know why? Because it is only when he flies, he dares to fly. No matter how strong, how bad it may look like, the wind may look like that it's going to take out everything. But the pilot is very sure. I'm going to fly right into that that is going to cause me harm. Because he understands when I fly into that, that's what gives me a lift for the flight. And in a lot of us, because offenses have come in our life, we are running away from people. You are running away from everybody. I don't want to do things because that person said that, this person said, who cares about what people have said when God has called you by your name. The devil calls you by your sin, my friend, but God calls you by your name. And that is the beauty of the New Testament church. We serve a God who has called me by my name. He has appointed me to do some greater works in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't worry about the wind, what direction the wind is. I am ready to take into the wind, into that atmosphere, because I know every atmosphere will is destined in my life that I will have a spiritual lift in my life. I will have a spiritual lift. And I declare some of y'all are going to experience a spiritual lift. If you are under my voice, listening to this, applying it in your personal walk in life. Have a spiritual lift in your life. Have a spiritual lift in your life. Opposition and offense makes you lift your prayer life and run to God. It will make you mount up with wings as eagles and fly to God. 2 Samuel chapter 10 verse 1 to 5 is where I want to camp for some time. Just listen to me from the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 10 verse 1 to 5. Interesting scripture portion. You might have read it in the past, but it is, this is how it goes. In the course of time, the king of Ammonites died and his son Hanan succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, their Lord, do you think David is honoring your father and sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to only explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanan 
seized David's envoys, shaved off the, each man's beard, cut off their garments at the buttocks, and sent them, I mean, I don't know if it, you, you feel it as funny, but this is really funny here. But I'm not going to read the entire portion here. Let me just pause it for a while. As we were reading the portion, David's idea of sending delegates to Hanan here was, why? Why did he do what? Because he wanted to show condolences and sympathy. His father had passed away. His father, Nahash, had been a great support when David had nobody around him. They supported David in his lowest place. And David wanted to respect that, show his sympathy and, 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 and condolences. And that's what happened even today. When the great, greatest presidents in one of the countries pass away, if they are an ally to U.S., what, they would, what our president would do it, he might go in person or might send some of the biggest officials to show condolences that, hey, we are with you in this grieving time. And I'm glad that you know, from our church, when people and beloveds have passed away, even in Kerala, and we had church, our church families, we have sent our people to their homes just to show condolences and being part of the grieving families. David just wanted to do that. So he sent two of his strongest commanders in his army to just go and show condolences, show sympathy, be part of their life as they're grieving. But hey, that's where I want to bring your attention to it. Be careful who is around you. Because the person who is around you has the ability to pull you down completely. Be careful who is around you. Be careful who is sitting on your shoulder and you know, all the time. You can translate in whatever way you want. The commanders in Nahum's, in, in the Ammonite kingdom, they came together and they told, do you really think that David is sending his army personal just to sympathize with us? No. They're coming here to spy this land. They're coming here to destroy our people. Do to them harshly. And they caught all of these messengers, these delegates. They cut down, shaved off half of their beard. For a man, your beard is very important. And especially if it was in the Middle Eastern countries. Come on, somebody. Their beard was very important. And getting rid of half of that was very humiliating. And not just that, not just that. Cutting off their robes, their skirts, and showing their rear ends, it was not a pleasant sight. These guys had everything to do. Because at that time, David's army was the strongest army. They had everything to do to retaliate at that time. But I love what David is telling here. So Hanan sees David's envoys shaved off half away. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet with the men, for they were greatly humiliated. Listen to this very carefully. The king said, stay at Jericho till your beards have grown and then come back. The king mentioned, stay at Jericho till your beards have grown and then come back. The word Jericho here, the word Jericho here means, um, it means fragrance. It means a happy place. 
And as we look into that aspect, if you can bring that up here, um, as we look into that aspect, Jericho means sweet fragrance. It's a place that you want to surround yourself when you are in the midst of struggle. And King David understood that his people have been humiliated. And he didn't want his people to come back to Israel, come back to Jerusalem with that humiliation. And I'm reminded, I'm reminded about a story in the New Testament when the prodigal son is returning back. You know what the father does? The father runs out, meets with his son. And one of the first things he does is washes the mud off, washes the dirt off his son. He puts the robes on him, puts sandals on him, puts the ring of acceptance on him and declares, this is my son. Yes, he was humiliated and I don't want him to be humiliated any longer. I run to my son. We serve a king who is concerned about when you are humiliated, my friend. We serve a master who is concerned and who runs and chases you. What is your heart's posture today? Yes, of course, you have been humiliated. But I would ask you, go to Jericho, sweet fragrance. Go to Jericho, my friend. Your beard, it will grow back. A lot of men here, you have shaved in your life. And is there anybody who shaved and your beard did not grow back? Is there anybody? No. It's grown back. It's come back. But be at Jericho. It's a very important portion. The sweet fragrance. People have offended us in our life. When we have done life within all kind of relationships that God has blessed us with, people might have offended us. But in that moment, how you respond to that is, Jericho means sweet fragrance. Be in your Jericho. Be in your Jericho. Take time. Pause. Come closer to God. What is the most sweetest fragrance that you can ever come across? The presence of our living God. Find your Jericho. Find your Jericho when you are offended by people around you. Find your Jericho when you are around people who had created offenses and destroyed you. Forgiveness is the act of letting a prisoner free. And the prisoner is you. This is not my, I'm, I'm just quoting here from Smeet. It says, forgiveness is the act of letting a prisoner free. And that prisoner is you. When we create offenses, marriage offenses, no matter, can I have somebody help me here? Come, ben, ben. Somebody in marriage, like what I said, the birthday timing was messed up. We have an offense. Church, what all offenses you can think about? Just think about it. If you serve in the worship team, you will have offenses. If you serve in any ministry team, you will have offenses. You will go through that. What do you do? Because you have not gone back to your Jericho, what you do is you create another offense. In any relationship, work relationship, no matter where you are, you create You create offenses. Before you know it, my friend, you know what happens? You know what happens in this relationship? Benjamin is a good friend of mine, but think about this. In this relationship, I am this side of the fence because of all of these offenses. 
it has created a literal fence around me, hindering me in the work that God has asked me to God, asked me to do. And that is how churches are broken today, relationships are broken today, families are destroyed today because you have not dealt with it. Go to your Jericho. Let the peace of God guard your life and sustain you. But you didn't allow that to happen. You've allowed these fences to come in your life one by one, one by one. These specks were, are becoming planks and these planks are now taking over as fences and is surrounding your life. And what happens is, what happens is you're destroying your happiness, spiritual happiness. Go back to Jericho. Sit there for some time. Be there. Let your spiritual happiness come back in your life. You know, how do you do that, Pastor? How do you, what do you talk about, Jericho? How do we do that? Yeah. When was the last time you sat in God's presence intentionally asking, Lord, I need a healing in my heart? When was the last time? If I ask you when was the last time you opened your social media, you will immediately tell me. No, that's not where you find your spiritual happiness. What you search for, you will definitely find. What you look for, you will definitely find. I have some chicken at home. The other day, I was with my father-in-law who, who, who had put the chicken outside. What I noticed was this chicken were, you know, taking the mud off, trying to find the worms and the insects just to eat. When they took the surface away, they found what they were looking for. Most of our time is gone on looking for things that doesn't actually matter to us. We are constantly looking for that. And the more you keep looking for those things, you will find it. That's how the Bible says, what you look for, you shall find. Search your happiness. Search your peace. Go to Jericho. Sit there and meditate. Forgiveness is the act of letting a prisoner free. And the prisoner is you. Each of us, we're living in a life of offense. Our relationship is hurt. But hey, as we look forward into that verse, one of the things that we have to understand, as we look forward into that portion, the only way, the only way you decide that this is not how my life is going to end is that the act that you do, that I take these offenses and I drop it. I take the offenses and I drop it. And I don't allow, this. thank you so much. I don't allow, I can have the worship team behind me. I don't allow these offenses to create another issue in my life. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop every charges. I'm going to drop every accusation. I'm going to drop every offense. I'm gonna, it's up to us. If you don't, nobody will ever. It's about your spiritual happiness. Amen. Are you allowing? Drop it. Drop it. I'm saying as we live in this world, you will have offense. In any sort of relationship, you will have people who will say something ugly and bad about you. Not everybody is designed and wired around you to say good things about you. It's going to happen. But it's up to you to decide, I don't carry this anymore. Because what Christ has done on the cross is much more bigger. It's much more bigger than any other offense that I can think about in my life. What Christ has done on the cross is bigger, is powerful, is stronger. And today, I drop the offense. I drop the offense. I don't care about it. I drop the offense. Can we all rise up in God's house? I drop the offense. I drop it. 
It's up to you, my friend. It's up to you. You decide where you want to go in your spiritual walk. You decide where you want to head in your spiritual journey. What you look for, you will still find it. What are you looking for? Look for your spiritual journey. That's more important than anything else. Close eyes. Everybody under my voice. Look to Jesus Christ. And as we stay together, and I know there are people who are hurt in different aspects, offended by different, 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 different things in different relationships. But today, under my voice, we declare it. Lord, I'm going to wait in Jericho. Let my honor come back. Let my reputation build back. Let everything that was humiliated, Lord, I declare in Jesus' name that as I wait in Jericho, I will mount up with wings as eagles does and soar up above because that's where Christ is looking to me. That's where Christ, every eye closed, as we make this meditation, look to Jesus. As we take our tithes and offerings, as we surrender tithes and offerings, as we take our tithes and offerings, we bless the Lord with everything He has given in our life, surrendering to Him. We'll sing this song and worship.